0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to another episode of This is Revolution Podcast. I'm your normal co host, but current host, Pascal Robert. Jason Miles, as well as Gene Bajlan, are away at a special location for a wedding of a very, very good friend of the show. And uh, we will be seeing them again next week. If you can, like, subscribe, and hit the bell. That helps us in the algorithm and our notifications for the program in terms of new shows. We are constantly adding new material, new streams, and coming up with new ideas. Jason recently came up with a new show on pop culture that will be airing on certain Fridays. We still have our sports show on Mondays. And, of course, my Mau Mau Hour will be hosted next Wednesday. will be the last Wednesday of the month. So we constantly have a variety of shows coming forward that we would love you to pay attention to and check out. So check out our shows. Go to This is Revolution podcast. You want to check out our merchandise as well. Check out old streams. Realize that we are an audio podcast as well. The show started as an audio podcast at first, so we have a lot of back catalog of our audio material. And the major news that we should remember is that Uh, We have a live show October 23rd at the Telegram Ballroom. TIR gives them an argument. And, of course, Left Reckoning, Reckoning, a Left Media Powerhouse, and presentation. Tickets are now on sale. It's going to be Ben Burgess. It's going to be the guys from Left Reckoning. And at it's going to be Varn, It's going to be Daniel Besner. It's going to be a pretty, pretty good time. So I suggest you guys definitely check that out. I think you'll enjoy it as well. Our producer du jour for today, as always, is the wonderful, the great, and the indomitable Impressant.
1: Hello, hello, hello. Uh, Just so you know, we don't have the soundboard today because the soundboard is in Jason's pocket.
0: The, The soundboard goes where Jason goes.
1: It does. It absolutely does. I was like, hey, something's missing. That's what's it.
0: Yes. So how right. how are you doing in I'm doing all
1: right. I'm doing all right. I'm excited about today's show. We're gonna talk about coats.
0: I'm very excited about today's show. For those who do not know, today's show is going to be a show with guests from across the pond in Europe who invited them who invited us on their program before, who became friends of our program and have had us on the show several times. They're you know, the gentleman from 99 zu eins the German radio program and podcast, who are such stewards of all things politics that we become friends in our ability to present left or alternative left progressive news coverage of global events to the world through our various streaming platforms. And we've come together on several occasions. And we're going to talk about Germany and Europe in the wake of many transformative uh, effects going on over there, whether it be the Ukraine, the post Angela Merkel election, and things of that nature. So I look forward to having M2 Sun. And of course, we have one more guest with us who's going to be hopping through the questions Stefan Bertrand Lee, our man in England. Hello, hello, hello. Stefan. Clap. clap, clap. <laughs> super soldier that you are. Always good to see you, you my little boy. You know do you know where is? Do you know where is? No, what, what is the Zouaine? I knew what at one time. What is Well, you want us to rush right into just bringing in our guests so they can tell us? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I hope to keep them off screaming in frustration. <laughs> I would rather not do that because they're such a wonderful gentleman. Why don't we welcome all the way from Germany, Deutschland? The two hosts of 99 Zoo Irons, Nadim and Daniel, from that great royalty program to our program.
2: Assalamu alaykum. Hello, Wale- everyone.
0: Wa 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 Hello. It's an
2: honor to be here. Nice to be back.
0: Yeah. Nice to be back as well. I love
3: Nadim, it to be among friends. That's so cool.
0: We are amongst friends. We are amongst comrades. We are amongst allies here. We every time you guys uh, come on our show, it's always a good time, and every time we go on your show, it's always a good time as well. Yes. And uh, we, we, we've we created some rip roaring uh, episodes over the two, three years that we've been working together. So I look forward to doing that. So, first of all, how are you guys' weekend going? Before we get directly to the questions, contrary to the norm, I want to ask you some. Normal life questions. How are things going? I, can, I know we had some difficulties in the pre-show pre-show uh, situation in terms of logistics.
2: Yeah, Germany is keeping warm. I, uh, we were supposed to be in the studio, but I was on my way, and uh, suddenly I realized I'm in the middle of a marathon that basically surrounds me, and I can't go back to the studio. <laughs> and and uh, Daniel doesn't have keys to the studio, so he also needed to run back to his home. So we are all uh, pretty warm now. Me from anger, Daniel from running.
3: Yeah, it's Germans good because we cannot heat the, the flats running. for shit anymore. It's too expensive.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we, have, we have a lot
0: of questions in that area as well in terms of what you guys are facing over there in Germany. But I mean, it shows that they're real Germans because despite various issues,
4: it, they were still 20 to 40 minutes early.
0: There you go.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. True that. True that. Yeah, like,
2: precision, that, that, revolutionary discipline,
3: it. revolutionary,
2: revolutionary yeah. discipline. There you go. That's
0: what it is. <laughs> or is it really technocracy? I say it's technocracy. Mm.
2: Revolutionary
0: discipline. Potato, potato. <laughs> Well, for you guys, it's revolutionary discipline. When the state does it, it might be something else. Yeah. Well, listen, let's go straight to the questions and let's see what we can get you guys to tell us about what's happening in Germany. So, oh yeah, Stefan wanted to ask, what is a Zoo Ainz? Uh
3: It's a very small animal. Uh, no, <laughs> <it's> just... <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, actually the, the correct translation would be ninety-nine to one. Mm. So it's a, oh, it's right. a ratio, yeah. and oh, no. it's uh, the yeah the, the ratio of those who have and those who haven't. And uh, that was basically like I didn't even didn't even remember Occupy, uh, but. Uh, probably was back somewhere in our head when we came up with the name. So it's like the the distribution of wealth uh, and the actual people, like the ratio, like 1% has more than the rest of the 99 and it's uh, up to us to radicalize the 99 to go so to So it's the like one
0: and...
2: the 99%. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's placed back to that, the 1%, the 99%. But it's also like, it's not only in this populist, um, well, maybe it is in this populist, uh, uh, genre, I would say, where it's about saying that, yeah, we, the proletariat, the people that are basically producing this wealth that all, uh, all our nations enjoy, um, we are not the benefit is from it. Right. So, and that's basically our program. And that's very important. It's 99 to one. So the one is written as a word. Mm-hmm. Um, as we as we, uh, and not as a number, many people do that wrong. They write 99 99 to 1 and we get very when angry. Will they about learn? Please when will don't learn? do that. Yes.
0: What is, you know, you guys, it's interesting that you bring this up and we're leading off with this question. But one of the questions I want to ask you is that how popular is left political discourse and thought in Germany today with such a kind of, I mean, the 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 supposition that this, the liberal technocratic democratic or the liberal elites have been successful which i think is questionable how popular what's the what is the appetite for less politics
3: in mm. germany you want to go I, should I, should I, yeah you okay um it's this is actually a very very good question it's also a little bit nuance to answer that properly. because on the one hand, uh, on the positive side, I do see an uprising in actual left in the public, like mainly in the internet, uh, um, like social media. There are some social revolutionary radicals going about, but this is like not representative of uh, society as a whole. actually um, on the on the other hand, and this is very dismal, I would say that the that the reaction to the war in the Ukraine, has shown us time and time again that in Germany we have the problem that a lot of people are calling themselves left-wing, when they are liberals at best and are in a very very strong state idealistic system idealistic uh, um, set of a frame of mind, to the point where they would rather defend the system from criticism from the actual left, than uh, be open to to debate. Um, uh, we there's there's a lot of stuff going on. Like for example, in Germany, I would say people call themselves left. when you ask a German person uh, why do they consider themselves left leaning, they would probably say something liberal, liberal, anti-racist. So that's that's the narratives that you get. So I'm against Nazis, and I'm like, yeah, great. So was my grandma. Well, one of them. The other not. <laughs> but, um, so uh, but she was definitely not left leaning. So not not everybody who hates Nazis is a lefty. So and uh, but still, that's a little bit the narrative that this is a little bit simplistic, but I think as a as a, as a short answer, I would say we have a lot of people who who, who misinterpret like a, a liberal bourgeois anti fascism with actual left leaning politics, and they are currently very, very bitter and toxic.
0: Daniel, I have to say it again for the people in the back. There are a lot of people who are confusing liberal, bourgeois, anti-fascist politics for a left project.
3: Yes. Without ever striving for an actual system change. And with Also without the realization that fascism is a bourgeois way of governing people. So they, they still think that fascism would right. be like a rupture in the power dynamic, which it's not. But that epiphany yeah, well, it's just it's it's, with people. It's,
2: it's a, it's a consequence of the national the bourgeois national thought in bad times. That's what fascism is. Mm-hmm. I'd like, you
0: to... I mean, listen, you guys, have, I'm glad you you guys are going right along. I'd like M. 2 to step on to jump in because we had a debate in a couple of our chats lately with Gene Bajlan about is it appropriate to use the term fascism in terms of the current political context in the United States with the reactionary right? I'd like to hear people's opinions. Uh, uh, m 2 what are your thoughts? Do you think fascism is over, it's overused in the American context? Stefan, what do you think? Do you think it's a weak political framing?
1: Hmm. Go ahead, Stefan. Okay, uh, yeah, I'll no, go.
4: Um, <laughs> <laughs> Talking about that again, <laughs> it's obviously like useless politics, right? <laughs> Like The guy is a figure of kind of, he's meant to be kind of, he's structurally not leading a political movement and has no interest in leading a political movement. right? The, his politics is used as kind of like an avenue for himself to do kind of almost random kind of political acts. So most of which are right wing, but without any particular allegiance to any kind of systemic ideology. And so yeah, I think kind of U.S. Like, to discuss fascism in the United States and the liberal media in the U.S. means to discuss Trump. And because it revolves around Trump, the fascist discourse then is kind of inherently useless because it uses this person who's clearly not a fascist to orientate the whole thing around it.
0: Daniel,
2: Nadim, how do you talk? May, may, may I just say something that, I mean, is painfully obvious, but ask someone who claims that Trump or, you know, the far right militias in the US are fascist, ask them, what is fascism? And you will not get an answer that makes any sense. Something, something racist. You will not, I mean, it's, it's also, I mean, to be fair, it's not something that is very simple to just explain, especially because of all these kind of propaganda campaigns that have been going on around this. Um, and also the, let's say, the implicit um, and explicit campaign to divorce fascism from, from bourgeois democracy, to put it as something different, right? Mm-hmm. This is this is this is the antidote to bourgeois democracy. That's why we as as democrats we have to fight it. And mm-hmm. that's simply put, if you look at the history, it's not the case. I mean, even if you look at the the, the, the intellectual basis for that, I mean, go to our channel, watch watch the interview with Isha Ilanda on the liberal um, foundations of fascist thoughts. It's all in there. It's mm-hmm. connected to this. And uh, I mean, they're all the more important to disconnect yourself from it um, in times where you can afford to. But yeah, and that can always come back. I do think that some people might, you know, have tendencies in this direction. Is there a movement that we can call like a fascist danger in the US? I don't think so. In Germany, I would say no. Mm. I don't
3: see that. Mm. Let me ask can, you I, quite- can I can quite- I add what? something to it? Uh, Please, just, just uh... um, there's also to me it's like the huge question why are you using the term fascism? Like mm. why? Why is that term even necessary? It's because it is Immediately, a moral outrage. If you declare something fascist, you're, everybody wants to be like on the good side. It's like, oh no, no, I don't want to be that. So um, it's 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 a war cry, nothing but. And hmm. to me, it also has it also has like the the side effect that it underplays the lethality of the neoliberal program. So we don't need the term fascism to talk about how deadly uh, neoliberal capitalism is. And for example, people like, like, like in, in Europe, like Macron or, or that fucker in Greece, uh, uh, Mitsotakis, they are they're, they're starting to, to like really beat people to a pulp in the street for simply demanding like, living wages and stuff like that. You don't need to call them fascists. They're deadly bastards in any which way. People are going to free, are gonna start freezing in the streets in this winter if things go ahead uh, as they are now. It still does not make it necessary to call it fascism. Capitalism is just as deadly.
1: Well, let me ask a question.
0: Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm too short, please.
1: Thanks. So there's always uh, this idea that Trump is not a fascist. He's not this. He's not. He's not even a Republican. He's an opportunist. Um, And there's always this idea that we have to wait until the next Trump comes. The smarter Trump, the one that knows what they're doing, the one that has an ideology. Do you think that would be when fascism comes to the I don't know how you can know? I
2: I would I would say first, Trump is not that stupid, actually, if you look at what what he's doing, how he's communicating. And I mean, he is still quite relevant. And You guys are probably seeing him facing off with the other gerontocrat in in the White House in the next one Mm -hmm. or two years. Uh, He's not that stupid. All right. He's very vulgar. This is part of his. his it's part of his game. Um, he's extremely funny, objectively. I would say mm. he, he makes good jokes. Um, uh, I would say, as soon as you, as soon as you try to attach a label like fascism to Trump, or may it be, you know, the next Trump that is much more, I don't know, much more gentleman-like, let's say, uh, ultimately, what what the discourse is trying to do is a moral condemnation, mm-hmm. right? And we as Marxists, we as materialists on the left, we should try to, when analyzing situations at least, try to refrain from these kind of moral re- condemnations. The morals don't get us anywhere because everybody has his morals. Probably Stefan has different ones than I do, than Daniel does, than Pascal does, than mm-hmm. and Toussaint does, right? So mm-hmm. we, we should analyze the situation as it is. Was the stuff that Trump did in his four years, in any way, fascist, I'm sorry, but I would say, totally not. There were presidents before even the president right before him, that did much worse stuff both to their population as well as to the population outside of the country. So um, right, if you if you try to look at this with a cooler mindset, I say, uh, then, then you don't need these terms unless it really becomes fascist. Unless it really becomes a movement to restore the power of the state in the face of a waning democracy, of a waning cohesion inside of the society where you need this powerful state, the strong man and the you know, the strong police on the streets to keep everything in check. That is not I don't think that's out of the question. It can still happen, but mm. I don't think that's what we're seeing yet. There's lots of American
4: politicians who are trying to be Trump right now. Up mm-hmm. to including like taking up his cadence in how he speaks and so on but i don't think you should really be worried about kind of the next trump that comes wrong with a, a coherent project and a coherent ideology and, and so on who then will will be so much better than trump because all these guys people aren't interested in these second-rate trumps who mm-hmm. are less charismatic who are less funny and so on and instead they have like solid politics because that's not what voters want, you know? Like that's like a kind of coherent ideological project is not what attracts people to vote for a presidential candidate in the United States. And so, yeah, I don't think it's it's we should be worrying about kind of a guy coming along with this thing who's then gonna do like what Trump did. I think the only one person who can do Trump is Trump.
2: Also, also I mean, you should, when talking about fascism again, what that is, you you have to realize this is not just some guy with an idea coming into a parliament and changing everything around. Right, fascism. Uh, there is a time where fascism is in, in the interest of the nation, of the nation, and of the national capitals. And we are not there yet. This is not in their interest. And even in that time, even in the Second World War, there were hell of a lot of capitalists and powerful people who were against that takeover. Right. But okay, they had enough power and enough deprivation. Also in the streets, there was a. They just came out of crisis. They had a world war in the, uh, that they just lost. And the whole, you know, um, the whole feeling of being uh, subjugated by the rest of the world, with a kind of also, you know, bad treaties uh, for them in their eyes at least, and they yeah, then the national, the national defense mode uh, in their head just kept spinning. It was not Hitler that that just, you know, convinced them to be Nazis. Right? <laughs> Keep that in mind. Uh, right. He it, maybe it, he maybe geared geared some of that energy to in some direction for sure, and I think he had a pivotal moment. But this this idea of the nation that we have to defend, this idea of of, of the strong state that we need in order to defend this nation, that was there before, and that's part again of bourgeois democracy. That's inside there. Do you do general, think that a fascist movement?
0: Stefan, do you want to go
2: ahead?
0: In, in, just
4: to say briefly, in, January, in 2021, like there was when Trump was trying to like hold on to his, his position, despite losing the presidency, American capital basically threatened a capital strike, like a full blown total capital strike, where basically Trump was informed by US capital that we're not gonna support this. And this is one of the key factors in, in stopping it. So yeah, I think that indicates really how kind of far we are we away from fascism in terms of just that the capital class is not any interest in it at the moment.
0: The question I want to ask you is that, and we're going to move on for a lot of people say whether it's fascism or not doesn't matter because it's still bad. And the question I was going to ask you is that uh, is fascism innately culturalist and masculinist? Hmm.
2: I think, I, think I, I I wouldn't, I mean in the past, maybe yes, they have been. If you look at it empirically, I think you can say yes. And uh, you, I don't know, look at Italy, look at Germany, look at other fascist movements in, in Britain, uh, this Mosley guy and, and people like that, right? Um, it was like that. I, I'm not so sure it would be an interesting question whether it has to be like that. It is more about uh, reestablishing an order that has been lost and uh, if, you are in a, if you are in a society in which, um, you know, like a society that we are nearing today, to be honest, in which, for example, the gender disparity uh, closes uh, more and more—not completely, but it closes compared to, I don't know, 100 years ago—it uh, might very well be that the, the, the female, uh, the women, or even you know, queer, trans people, etc., will be integrated into this fascist project. I don't think this is completely out of the question. I Mm -hmm. do not, I don't have any theoretical argument why it would be. But so, so we do agree though,
0: that it's always a kind of reactionary project. In other words, by definition, fascism is a project of reaction of, of an attempt to take society back to what is perceived as the glory days or what what is what is believed to be the 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 the, 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 the national lore if you mm-hmm.
3: will at least at least in the in the in the how can I say in the in the mythos of their ideology they do that whether this is like also the the um, how can I say the actual motivation? I would be even more blunt. Uh, Nadim can can uh, counter me if I uh, if he thinks it's different. Um, but I think it's also it's mostly about consolidating the the power ratio that is. So it's it is like like when you when you go back in, in Germany, let's because that's the one fascism where I'm I'm, I'm rather savvy about. Um so in um thirtieth of january nineteen thirty three, you had you had um, uh, a bourgeois a bourgeois um, uh, government official, Freiherr von Papen, was was and after the election he needed to designate someone to build the new government. And he opted for a minority government run by the by him actually not – he disliked Hitler to a very, very big extent. And he just – he still put him in charge because the alternative would have been a left-wing majority or a left-wing coalition. So I would totally agree with the fact that it's always reactionary um, and they are just using the narratives of the old glory days. But in the end, it's just like – it's it's the ultimate putting the foot down – for the bourgeoisie, okay, this is not, we're not going to let go of the system at any cost. Here we are. Bum. And um, this is actually a little bit the thing that we need to watch out for, because uh, um, while I I would would refrain from using the term fascism for everything that I I sometimes intensely dislike, um, I would still say that the mechanisms that brought us to fascism in the first half of the 20th century, they are already at work right now. So there are definitely, definitely similar mechanisms that you can objectively observe right now and say, okay, here we got an increase in repression, here we got this, here we got that. So um, that doesn't say, that doesn't mean that the the the, the road to fascism um, is not very, very. How can I say? Does not teach us a lot about how capitalism reacts in a crisis. Right,
0: right. Interesting, interesting. We've, we've advanced. One, to one
3: interesting
4: to thing to about Ukraine. Think.
0: What interesting yeah, thing about that is, all. What are,
2: are you gonna say? Are yeah. you trying to? Just, you know, just uh, gonna, uh, yeah. Stefan. Stefan, what's interesting about Ukraine? Please let me know. Uh, that, that might be a nice a nice uh, segue to talking <laughs> Is that about that
4: basically Europe? all all the women that you see that you see are in position are in the right sector.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah,
4: yeah, 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 yeah. The, the Nazis and fascists. I mean, you see, you see it
2: in You know, you know what I was thinking about um uh, when when this question was asked i i mean obviously we can also talk about the racial dimension i think fascism in some way needs this kind of enemy that has some you know has found some kind of footing in our society and is responsible for the rot at it that we need to uh mm-hmm. purge i think it is there but you know whether this needs to be you know weak women or whether it needs to be i don't know the foreigners or in this case the jews um If if you look at other uh, countries that are highly militarized and, you know, also display fascist structures uh, like, for example, Israel. Right. You have a very, very strong um, admiration for the woman in the military. Right. This is this is even celebrated to an extent where um, where it gets perverse. Right. Where where, um, I don't know, uh, women display themselves in, uh, you know, with nudes, etc., cetera, uh, having their gun on, or maybe just their military boots. So basically the, the being military, being a military, officer, being a military, like being a soldier is being made sexy is something to aspire to. Um, so uh, I, I don't, that's why I would say, I don't think these things necessarily include, uh, exclude each other, theoretically speaking. I think that's possible to
3: integrate. Just, just for, for 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 shits and giggles, but uh, I I like to point out to me it's the movie about of uh, about our times uh, right now, and it's started to Troopers* by Paul Verhoeven, and uh, Paul Verhoeven was perfectly capable of displaying an immensely uber militarized fascist society that was that was built on racial and gender equality. That didn't matter for the society in the movie. Like you have, you even have like common showers between men and women. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not a, it's that's not an issue. It's still a violent fascist society of exploitation. So and I think it, he was onto something there. Of course, it's just a movie, but I think uh, it's it is a clever display of of the <laughs> diversity of fascism. Wow,
0: <laughs> definitely an interesting point. So I want to ask you guys a question about some politics in your neck of the woods in Germany as well. Since December, it's been marked the end of the 16-year reign of Angela Merkel as Chancellor of the Germ- of Chancellor of Germany. Can either of you discuss what the legacy of Merkel is Is that she's leaving behind?
3: You want to, should I? Mm, maybe you start. I think it's a, it's a tough one, the legacy, because I have the feeling that um, it is a different show right now. Uh, it's not because Merkel Merkel always had this like like she, she even had the nickname Mutti like mother like by 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 the media she was called Mutti and um, I do think that she was uh, by all how can I say by all objections that I have to her politics she 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 was still perceived and I would kind of agree as authentic like she really believes what she says I, I she she didn't come across as someone who was like a huge manipulator, so to say. And uh, with the current government that we have, it's much more, it's, it doesn't have one strong person in the center, where, where you can say it's it's, it's Father Schlotz, or, or whoever it is. Um, so, because um, you have a lot of, it, it is a big, co- it is a, a larger coalition. It's a coalition of three parties this time, not just two. And uh, it's also not so clear that the Christian Democrats uh, are in leap. Well, they're even out of this uh, government. So it's a government a government of social democrats, the Green Party, and the the liberals, the um, Freie Demokratische Partei. So they're the neoliberals, so to say. And it is much more of a of a pardon the word like cockfight going on also between those factions. So there is not like this this what we had Mother Merkel. And everything that she said, maybe she had opposition, but it was still clear that the government itself was represented by her. And now I would say it's much more, much more clustered into into the individuals in their own resource. And also, like the attacks on the people are much more focused on the individual resource right now. That's the feeling that I have. So we are out of a, out of a uh, nation's mother, <coughs> I'd say.
2: I mean, when you talk about, I, I don't, I don't agree with some of the things you just said. Um, so if you look at the legacy in terms mm-hmm. of what has been her material legacy, mm-hmm. right. And then you look at, I don't know, the couple of big crisis, crises she managed, we have, you know, the refugee crisis that she managed so called Yeah. Uh, that she managed in a way that basically turned Europe into a cage. Where people are mm-hmm. drowning in front of their their uh, their walls. Um, we we have the whole thing with the Kuyavianka, which is the you mm-hmm. know the Corona, the COVID and the COVID uh, um, deniers, let's say, where she also basically um, managed that with Bravour. I would say I I would say what is what is her legacy is that the idea that it's really an idea that our head of state is supposed to be this calm, very um, very uh, non eccentric, very uh, in, not, not special kind of person, mm-hmm. that is just a good manager of things for the nation as a whole, mm-hmm. right? So, and, and that's, basically, that's basically what she did. So no one, really no one saw Merkel just as another CDU CDU politicians. So the the fact that she was uh, the head of the Christian Democrats kind of waned into the background. And she was exactly this kind of multi Merkel, like this, this person that is always there. And that kind of manages um, very calmly, though, we made a lot of jokes about she would never put her foot down on anything, at least not in public, she would (laughs) never lose her temper. uh, in the background, she would really? have in the background, she would have heads rolling. There would yes. be like she she that's how she established her reign in the very beginning, where she just all the competition she that she had everyone. in the party, she just removed them. So she's quite vicious there. But in, to the front, she never and she never allowed to get you know drawn into any kind of conflict uh, over her person or uh, over her statements. And that that she made very clever, I think. And where I disagree with you, Daniel, I think that is exactly the continuation that we see now. I think Olaf mm-hmm. Scholz is trying to copy this 100%. Okay, yeah, I, would, I, I give he you is that. Trying yeah. to, he is trying to do it exactly the same way. He's trying to be completely, you know, in the background. I'm not so important. Maybe I'm, you know, I'm doing a little bit of father, father, dad jokes, basically, um, mm-hmm. language jokes, but that's mm-hmm. it. And, and the reason why this is now, so why, let's say the responsibilities are now so spread out, um, is really the Ukraine war. Because if mm-hmm. you ha- didn't have that, if you didn't have, you know, Baerbock having to travel the world and Habeg having to travel the world to find gas for us, etc., you wouldn't have this kind of, you know, uh, prominence of these other faces. I would mm-hmm. say, as as um, that now where basically the crisis has to be managed by more than just this one person. But if you look at what Scholz is doing, he's basically, he's clearly trying to be Merkel in a guy. That's what he's trying mm-hmm. to do. Rinse, repeat yes okay. because it's a, no. and he's from the, he's okay. from the SPD he's uh, he's from the you know the enemy party uh, he's kind of you know uh, more left than the the, the, the Christian democrats but um, he, it's a winning it's a, for germans for, and for for germany this is a winning concept just be you know be someone that people can trust and, and what what does it mean to be trust to be trusted it means that people trust in you that you always choose what is best for our nation that's what he's doing, right? And, did the social uh, democrats
4: go into the election saying like, we're going to do some relatively ambitious left program and, and have since then not done this? Or did they go into the election being like, we're, we're not really going to change anything?
2: There were there were some, I mean, there were some things uh, that, that basically were in the program that tried to cater, let's say, to progressive demands. Um, minimum wages, raising- Legalization of cannabis especially yeah, the cannabis thing, then some like, stuff, some, okay. some, some stuff about the abortion laws. Um, we, and, and a big thing, uh, also on the woke green, uh, side of this whole, um, uh, government of course, is the climate transition. Um, so yeah, there was, and I think they are actually also on track. I mean, we are now talking a year, uh, but we are, we are kind of on track to fulfilling all this stuff. Nothing in the program was in any way, um, Left-leaning or you know subversive. I I would even say that even if Merkel sta- stayed for another four years, she would probably have would have done similar things. Almost the what, same, yeah. Yeah, I think I think what is what's happening now though, because of the Greens and the SPD being in power, it's a little bit more geared towards this aspect of modernization, like getting Germany back on top when it gets you know when it comes to infrastructure, when it comes to uh, the way that we govern the country, building um, internet. I mean, uh, we are backwards country regarding internet, right? Uh, for example, and all these things are now maybe getting a little bit more push from them, but also the Ukraine war is putting you know a break on many things mm. there.
0: Well, we, we have a lot of questions relative to the Ukraine war. Would you, is it safe to say that Angela Merkel, Angela Merkel was the last competent European, European political leader?
2: Why?
3: No, I wouldn't say. Why? <laughs> Why on if earth? Boris Johnson is an incompetent. Well, well, well the, 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 there's the thing. Like, like, well, yes, uh, Boris Johnson might might be might be a moron, but he's playing his role perfectly well. And Merkel um, competent, as in what? As in as in keeping keeping shit together uh, in terms of like like uh, consolidating the, the the influence of Germany. In Europe, and the world, consolidating the the wealth distribution that we currently have, then she was she was very competent at that.
2: Yeah, I I, I I grant that. I would say she was competent,
3: uh, but I would say I, also the
2: guys that are in now are not incompetent. I also don't, they play that I don't own. think Schultz is I don't incompetent. Like uh, if you I I know he has kind of kind of this. Well, I um, say incompetent.
0: I mean, in the traditional neoliberal technocratic, like Obama was not incompetent. Like not that she was good. For the mm-hmm. masses, for the proletariat, I mean that you know she kept the she, she kept the electricity running. She kept the lights; mm-hmm. the, the bulbs were on. You know, in other I words, don't... what else? The reason I'm making this clear is that it is fundamentally transparent that this part of the liberal bourgeois elite that are right now in the wake of COVID incompetent.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: They are not competent. They cannot manage. Global crises, well, at all. They don't do it well. Well, and I, I, I I, the question I'm asking is that are the ones who are still able to manage those crises becoming more and more rare? And this is one of the rare ones.
3: There's a, there's a like a, sorry for 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 uh, rushing forward, Nadim. Uh, but there is like one very important thing to me. Like like, did she manage the the Corona crisis? Because as far as I know, at some point we overtook the Americans in terms per, uh, of deaths um, per day uh, per capita. So I would she was maybe where I would grant where I would go for competence. I think she was may- maybe more competent in the performance of a politician but I think she failed mm-hmm. to my standards in the corona crisis as all bourgeois heads of states need to fail because they cannot manage the corona crisis in an appropriate way it's just impossible for them and uh yeah that's 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 the angle I would have I mean maybe maybe she's better at performing or at, at oozing professionalism but that doesn't mean her decisions are necessarily better than the ones of Boris Johnson I I, I again i
2: would say covid is a special case i think covid mm-hmm. was also a big challenge to mm-hmm. not was, only not only politicians but even the scientific community and until today we don't have a cohesive decision on which approach was the best approach in terms of you know saving life but at the same time in this capitalist system that uh, global system that we are um, living in Saving life cannot be the only priority, because if you then, I don't know, you close down your, um, your, uh, your borders or do something like China did, what you have to take into account is that there will be ripple effects from that. And you might go into a recession. And this is also something that you have to weigh against, right? So I think COVID was a little bit sp- a special case that we can discuss separately. But if we look at the cr- Ukraine now, I would to- totally reject the notion that the German government is not managing this well. I think it's the opposite. They're actually the amount of stuff that they're doing at the same time, both to manage outside dependencies as well as in, inside dependencies, are working extremely well. But mm-hmm. that does not mean that this is in the interest of the population or the interest of the people that, that live in that nation, at least not directly. And that still means that we can freeze, that still means that you know we, we have to pay a lot of more uh, higher electric, electricity bills. But under the circumstances of a capitalist democracy that decided to take part mm-hmm. in a war, uh, and we are taking part in that war. That's, it's not just we are helping a little bit. We are active in, actively engaging in a war that is not only economic even. We are sending weapons and uh, yeah, we, we're basically doing everything other, other than actually landing with our troops. Um, we are actually doing pretty well. So I, I think if Merkel was here, she would not do it much differently. Uh, I think the, the one difference maybe is, and that is an external difference, is that the situation has changed to a degree. If you look six, seven years ago, Germany was the biggest, uh, um, let's say uh, uh, agitator for a diplomatic solution in Ukraine. I mean, Minsk basically came at the hands of Europe, right? So, um, and the US didn't like that. And the US were fighting that for a long time. The US were fighting Nord Stream 2 for a long time. They didn't like this kind of relationships that are today being called dependencies that Mm -hmm. we had towards Russia. Right. So and and they managed to or uh, like the whole um, the whole military industrial complex of the NATO managed to get into get us into a situation where Germany now has to choose. Mm -hmm. Okay, either it is your beneficial corporations with Russia that let you thrive in the last 10 years and that, that are the reason for the prosperity that you are enjoying right now. If you do that, then that means you have to go against the US. You have to go against the US if you want to do that. And then the decision is clear. There would not have been another decision uh, by Merkel in any way, shape or form. And uh, once you decide then, okay, we go pro NATO, we try to change the world a little bit. We try to gear it a a little bit to our expectations and our demands and try to extend our own power. But the moment that this doesn't work anymore, like in this case, we say, okay, full on NATO, full on us. And in that moment, you have to just manage the, the fallout from all of this. And that's also why you have such vicious military and um, war rhetoric going on in Germany right now at all levels, both from the people as well as from the politicians. And I think, to be honest, I think Merkel probably would have done very, very much the same. I do mm-hmm. think so. Well,
0: you're taking me to my next question because this is, the, this is the, the, really the big one here is that with your new chancellor, Olaf Schulz, in the office, it seems like the immediate international crisis pushed him into decision-making power really quickly. Can you discuss the Russian war with Ukraine and the effect it has had on the German political scene from all levels, please? I would like to see. This is a big question because mm-hmm. we've, touched, we've touched on it in terms of the energy crisis. We've touched on it in terms of how NATO has forced Germany, which was seeming to be in a detente, with Russia before the, the, the Ukraine crisis with the, the Nord Stream 2 and all these other, other energy deals to pick sides. I would like to, I would really if you guys can go into detail how this has changed facts on the ground.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, I rather, what, what I can say is what immediately comes to mind for me is, is um, it has shown to a to a very strong degree how how people rally behind a system uh, uh, with moral outcries. So this is, for example, this is something that Corona already kind of showed us a little bit. Like the the discourse was extremely heated, always moralizing, um, not analyzing but moralizing, and the same that you have now. So I would say that um, even even within my 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 really lefty uh uh, acquaintances or or group of friends a lot of people are actually on course for the war they they support that war they support um like whatever it takes to 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 destroy the tyrant putin um and this is this is something that should not have surprised me it did though it did though but it shouldn't have um and uh I think that the political climate is interesting in such a case because when Olaf Scholz started, started last year, immediately the, the German society was not very fond of him. So he did not have, have like an acting point, like, okay, I'm Olaf Scholz and this is what I'm doing. Um, so there was no, no connection. Like it was just like, ah, he's just doing the same shit as every government before and we're suffering, etc., etc. But the moment the, the war actually started in February, he, to like standing ovations, um, communicated, for example, a hundred billion to be put into additional military efforts in Germany. And you immediately were like, like, where the fuck were those a hundred billion the last couple of years? Um, and it was really, it was literally to standing ovations in the Bundestag. And... Um, so I would say, like, uh, I, I just love to pull it out of my head, but there was this. There's always this famous quote by Hermann Göring during the, during the interrogations in the Nuremberg trial where he said that, of course, Germans didn't want war, but you can always push anyone to do the bidding of the leaders. You just have to tell them that they're being attacked and denounce uh, the pacifists for lack of patriotism. That's a literal Hermann Göring quote, yeah. And I think that this quote is very, very, um, very, very precise and to show what's going on because it is immediately the narrative. It is a mo- little bit more complex than that, but it's immediately narrative. If you are not for war against Russia, you're against Germany, Europe, and the values it was built on. That's the narrative, and it's almost everywhere, almost like like down to down to 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 uh, how can I say the the, the petty bourgeois uh, anarchist squats you can see a narrative like that.
2: Yeah, I, I would I would add maybe that there's is, there is a lot of contradiction going on because as I said before, Germany might have had different interests um, mm-hmm. uh, regarding the relations to Russia. Now that changed a little bit, but what you can see definitely since then as a result of it is like a return to something that hasn't been in Germany really like that explicit for 60, 70 years, which is really this idea that we have to become a force to be reckoned with. again. Yes. The sleeping giant. Uh, That we, that we have to, again, take our responsibility. uh, I'm directly alluding, of course, to the, to the, to the learnings, supposed Mm. learnings we did from the Holocaust and take our responsibility and shape the world uh, in, you know, in our interest and be able to do that again in order to uh, do that again. We need military, we need money. And the whole narrative has shifted to that. You can feel this also in the population where where the nationalism, both towards Germany as well as by proxy towards the Ukraine, has become so extreme that, uh, and that's maybe what Daniel meant by he was surprised, I haven't seen that in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Not to not to that extent wow. and not not as widely widely spread throughout the the whole nation, I mean, where it's like Russia is attacking us, Putin is attacking us, and by mm-hmm. us we mean Europe, we mean the the oh, Freiheitliche right. Weltordnung, which means like the freedom based rule based world society. Rules, rules Putin, based international order. <laughs> yes the international yeah. order exactly so Russia is attacking that and now we have to step up. To fulfill our responsibility, and I think if you if you ask me what what has changed since then, I think that's it. Because before that, we wouldn't really. I mean, we have this national sentiment everywhere, but not so explicit and so all throughout. You know, prevailing throughout the media, uh, even in schools. I mean, one story that one of our guys told us in the um, <laughs> oh my god, yes, just when the war started. Two stories actually. First, what, just when the war started, one week after, I'm walking down the street and I see a kindergarten and they're like, it's a neighbor kindergarten, and there are windows where normally the kids put pictures that they drew into the windows for, for outside people to see, to look at them, right? So what do you see that day? It's full of hand-drawn Ukraine flags all put into the window, in the freaking kindergarten, right? And then, and then Daniel had an interview with a friend of ours who says that he's a teacher, and he said, in his school, there was one of our teachers, this woman, she started building model bomber airplanes and hung them into the classroom, so there were these airplanes flying above the kids, basically. Yeah. Uh, so that's 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 the kind of spirit that we we also see now. It's not, I mean, that's not that's the extremes, but if you see
3: the extremes, you always know a little bit where the where the middle mm-hmm. is. I want to I wanna add to that. We, our Minister of Defense, Christine Lambrecht, also a Social Democrat, so um, she literally said that Germany has to take a dominating role in the world order. And now I love it, whether we like it or not. It's, so, like, it's the same as back then uh, with uh, with with the bombing of Belgrade, where Germany joined the NATO forces in a in a in a um, uh, um, like in an attack war uh, on Serbia. Um, and it was like, it's, in Germany, we, we always kill people with a very with a very sad face. It's like, oh, now we have to kill again. That's, I'm so sorry. I'm, yeah, you know, it's just a necessity. We have to defend the values which this society is built on by just killing a lot of motherfuckers. So sorry about that. <laughs> and uh, what Lambrecht literally said that, like, like, even if we don't want to be like the dominant military force in the world, it's out of our hands. We just have to. Sorry, sorry about that, sorry.
2: And I, just maybe just one thing to add for all these people that maybe took my initial statement as you know saying that kind of the US pushed Germany into this. I don't think that's the case, uh, right? So I think no. Germany has, has their own interest in this. I do think the US is the main driving force behind the war in Ukraine. And of course that means Germany has a lot to react to. But what you, what you can see now is that the intention is to reestablish Germany as a military force to reckon with in the world. And uh, I mean, ultimately, that's also something that everybody kind of sees coming. We live in a dollar-dominated, US-dominated global capitalism um, that forces people to take part in this global market and forces uh, nations and states all over the world to take part in this global market, which will result in those nations and states, one or two of them becoming stronger more, you know, more uh, effective in the way that they accumulate capital and then they will become some kind of competition again for the US, which we see now, of course, with uh, with China. Mostly you don't see that with Russia. Russia is more like it's like a military uh, competition because of their military capabilities. And that just has to be cut off now um, because it's just too much of a pain in the other plans. so I think I think Germany is on its way there. I don't think like I, I don't want to say like Germany wants the world, you know, w- once again, become the, 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 the fourth Reich or something like that. I'm not <laughs> saying that's what they're trying to do. But they are interested, like they are a capitalist nation to use other nations to their benefit. And mm. they see an a, a good moment now f- for something that has been kind of uh, it has been like the, the you don't go there. You don't speak about uh, remilitarization in Germany. This is something that is kind of like forbidden, even though it has happened constantly. But this open um, display of that, like again, Germany becomes this military power. This is something that is new. And they took the Germany took the Ukraine war as uh, as an occasion to do that. Uh, why do I say this? There is another, I mean, we wrote an article for Supplation also. You can read into this. But this plan for the hundred billion—it's mm-hmm. not. I mean, it was literally communicated one day after the start of the war. There were there were less than forty-eight hours <laughs> going into uh, the start of the war to communicating the one hundred billion. So this plan has been on their desk since months. Actually, we have in October, uh, we have reporting from Spiegel that they were that they had that in mind since October already. They and obviously they were waiting for the right occasion to do this, where it doesn't look as you know.
3: Suspicious, maybe. Mm. Right. And also, it's, it's it's you can also read that in the sublation article that uh, Fabian and the Dim wrote. But it's also the hundred billion are more than the US demanded, like way more. It's 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 more than than the the percentage of the of the. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Uh, oh, yeah. Gross no, no, it's, product.
2: it's uh, by the way, it's a hundred billion plus the two percent annual spending. So it's on top, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so, so we will still have the two percent annual spending every year now. And, and we have the 100 billion, which is like, a, they call it the Zonda, uh, Zonda budget, which is like a special budget that they set up. I
3: think it's the third largest military budget in the world. Let's just roll off your tongue.
2: It's definitely by far bigger than Russia's.
3: Yeah. So, yeah, I guess we're back. Cower in fear. <laughs> I'm well, sorry, it's, you, not, it's not 100
2: say. billion. It's not 100 billion. It's 100. Uh, wait. It is oh, it's this
3: billion. American billion is German million. Yeah, okay. we, we always get confused. Yeah. 100 yeah, yeah. billion. Correct. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Yes. M. Toussaint, you had some questions about the, the effect on German on German energy with the mm. war in Ukraine, as well as mm. Nord Stream two. You want to address your questions?
3: Who showers alone? Showers with Putin?
0: Sure. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. That, <laughs> we were
2: starting. That was literally That was literally. That, a little bit too. Yes, yes. 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 Yeah. I saw you that. You drive one alone. Just
1: today. You drive with Putin. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> he's just it... a great boogeyman, man, isn't he?
2: Sorry. I said he's, yeah, such,
1: he's a, a, such a great bo- boogeyman. man. Yeah. Yeah, he's such a great
2: boogeyman. man. Yeah. He's the great boogeyman. boogeyman. Uh, so, um, what's a, what are what's your thoughts on? Today? Yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah what are your thoughts on germany still trying to get aid for ailing energy company uniper
3: Ah, uh, yeah okay you take the one all
2: right now germany starts starts an economic war against russia right mm-hmm. and they do this with full consequence they they not only you know they don't only go along with the sanctions that the us imposed, they impose their own sanctions they impose their own you know um pressure on ukraine so and they know that this will have repercussions. In the public, they of course play it like, Oh, Putin now is closing, uh, closing the oil valve. But of course, you cannot, you cannot really in a, in a capitalist society demand someone to send you oil when you are when you stop to pay him. Or yeah. when you basically you tell him, Yeah, maybe we pay you maybe not. Yeah.
3: But uh, and, and we're we have also to still trying to send the oil. So yeah, and we're also so, going to going independent from you. So we're gonna fuck you over in a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, even that he would still sell it, right? So, and and
2: uh, they they were trying to also manage this in a way that for that it gets beneficial for Russia. Russia wanted to still keep that going, but they were showing first with that turbine that broke suddenly. Oh, look, mm-hmm. we can also stop that. Just see, look what's happening here. If we stop that, well, these kind of moves triggered two things. First, the price of oil, the natural price of oil, rose. Second, there was speculation going on, so the price of oil, boom, expl- explodes, right? There is a third thing that Germany now does because they say, wow, if he really closes up that valve, we have a tr- we have trouble in the winter. So now Germany goes along with all its power and all its might, both economically and politically, goes, goes throughout the world and tries to find new deliverers for oil and gas. So what, what they are doing this way is they're increasing the demand on all these other oil sources, and also that pushes the price up. Okay? And they know that. So, we we are now in a situation where we are actually buying so much oil and so much gas that uh, countries like India and Pakistan do not have enough oil anymore um, from from their suppliers because we are taking it from them. All right? that That is one of the reasons why India is now getting oil from Russia, by the way. Okay? And the LNG, by the way, the liquid nitrogen gas that we are getting from the US, yeah, we are now the highest bidder on this. That's why the price went so up, okay? Now, when that price when that price is so high, that, that means for our companies here um, that uh, they have to buy this oil, like Uniper, for example, is in, it's in Finland, but they have to buy this oil at a much higher price. Before, they got it really, really cheap. Um, they got it from mm-hmm. Russia. Now they have to buy it at a much higher price. That also means that if they can't directly communicate this higher price to their customers and say, okay, now you have to pay, I don't know, triple the amount or four, uh, four times the amount. If they can't do that immediately, that they will go bankrupt. This is what happened. Basically what, what was about to happen with Uniper mm. and as these companies are though, what we call system relevant, system relevant, we call that. Because if these companies break, they are such a big and immensely important part of um, European and German economy. Because all our companies need this oil, all our cars, all our, elk, uh, our trucks, all our ships. We need this stuff for our economy to function. They will put everything on the table to save these kind of companies. All right. So that's why, that's what is happening with Uniper now. For us, the normal people, this translates in higher prices. And significantly higher prices for the amount of, you know, for heating for uh, gas prices for the car, etc. And but I want to just make one thing clear because we are making jokes about freezing not freezing. There is no scarcity here, there isn't. Ninety percent, ninety percent of our gas reservoirs in Germany are filled up. This has never been the case before. Wow. It has always been at sixty percent. And now our uh, exterior minister, he says, um, uh, sorry, uh, Minister for Economy and uh, Umwelt, I think, right? So he says now, um, yeah, maybe maybe after all, we will make it through the winter. winter. Maybe, let's see, fingers pressed, right? there, There is no scarcity, but what's happening is everything is, and this is because we are in this kind of economy, everything is much, much more expensive and saving those companies like Unipa by the way gets translated in a gas what we call a gasum lager that's not not only that thing but um, other measures to save companies like that is by increase like okay let's let's say it like this
3: He's
2: the government track. the government will pay will pay for every kilowatt hour that you are buying from a from a company mm-hmm. will pay that the government will pay like 20 30% on top all right because these companies that are selling their oil now and selling their gases to us, private consumers, they can't raise the prices that much because then nobody will, will use that anymore. So they're saying, oh, I'm making losses. And now the government steps in okay, I, and say, I will compensate your losses. How do they compensate the losses? Well, we are cutting taxes for you. You don't have to pay this tax anymore. And we are we are raising the prices for the customer, which is us again. And that's why this is called what's the, called the gasumlager, um, the, the shifting of the gas, uh, the gas price, basically to the customer. We are now paying uh, the, the insolvency management of all these energy companies. And I don't want to, I don't. Just one last thing. I don't want to sound also like I'm saying that we shouldn't be doing this, because if we are not doing this in this nice economy that we are in, we are all fucked. Because we, we do need this energy. We do need somehow, some way for this gas to arrive here. And if, if ultimately all the actions that Germany is doing now, and that's why I'm saying they are managing this also so well, all the actions that Germany are taking now regarding Uniper and regarding you know saving other companies, regarding uh, 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 sh- shutting off taxes, they are there to avoid a deeper, deeper recession that everybody sees coming. Mm. But we just want to want to make sure that it doesn't hit Germany as bad as, you know, maybe some other countries in Europe.
3: That's my that's my 50 I would, cents for that. <laughs> for, for <laughs> I, would, I would like to add uh, a couple of things like first, what I think is really interesting that um, because a lot of people complained that the Lager, which actually is actually it c- could be used as a tool by oil com- companies to save their profits, not to save themselves or from from uh, bankruptcy, but just to save their profits. <laughs> Like, one, that, this is one of the moments where, where I'm like, why is nobody out there with torches and pitchforks? Uh, uh, our our economy, Mr. Habeck, um, economy minister Habeck uh, said that he really, really, pl- he pledged to the morals of the, of the gas companies. So please don't use the gas if you're profitable. So, you know, that would not, that would not be fair. Like so, so even though they they know that it will be done, they're just like, no, nah, you know, please don't. And the problem is, which which is going to hit especially the poorer people in Germany a lot, is is that we already had an insane price increase for gas way before the war. So um, like like this is a, this is my real life example. So uh, I used to pay around like 80, 90 bucks for gas in my flat, and without Adding to the consumption of gas, it got increased to 210 euros by the beginning of the year. So that's wow. more than double the price for gas alone. And I'm, I, I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I, I have a good job. I'm in IT. I can, I can afford that. It's less luxury for me. For some people, it's a neckbreaker. Um, but now it gets really crazy. Of course, uh, with, all, with all this going on, I just got a letter from the, um, from the gas company in August that they're going to latch on another 30%. Two, 30% of 210, not 30% of 80, of course. So um, it's going to be like 70 euros more, even. So I'm, I'm almost at 300 euros. It's almost as... No, it's not as much as the flat, but it's 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 like a significant amount of my money just goes into my everyday going about, like cooking, heating, washing, showering. And um, the second thing that I think is, is almost genius level is that they're all combining the this effort with a lot of moralism like for example you're not you're it's not like hey if you cannot afford gas shower for a shorter time I'm sorry it's just the way it is but the narrative that we're bringing about in the media is like if you're showering less if you're now saving on gas you're helping the war effort
2: and that's yeah what it's is, like it's, it's like we <laughs> have to we have to go through pain because yeah. you know it's it's, it's 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 this war that was brought up unto us. It's that uh, crazy dictator over there, and we have to go through pain now. I just want yeah. to say one one thing maybe to add to the previous question of uh, how they manage us. <laughs> uh, they, I mean, they they are aware. The state is aware of the pressure that this will exert on existences basically in Germany that cannot, like we're talking, I'm I'm sure we're talking like 40 or 50% of the population that will be in existential threat now with the next price increase, right? Uh, And and they are aware of this, so they are starting to, you know, uh, propagate some uh, relief packages just this month, I think, everybody Mm -hmm. that is employed somewhere, interestingly, only the employed ones, Mm-hmm. Got 300, the 300 Yeah, the unemployed ones don't heat, uh, I guess. Yeah, but uh, yeah. they got they got 300 euros more cash on their bank bank accounts. Um, and there are a couple of other things now being discussed on how to relieve uh, the pain. Now you would think that if you have an inflation like that, I mean, we can talk about you know wage, uh, oh, uh, wage price, going price spiral, etc. But you would think, okay, let's at least raise some prices. That would wouldn't that call the unions into action, wouldn't the unions now be saying, okay, now that there is an 8% secular inflation, we need to have 8%, maybe 10% of salary increase as the last salary increase for my union has been like four years ago. So how about how about we do that now? Yeah, but then the state comes in and says, no, 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 slowly, 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 you unions, you should be aware that we are in war. And we are fighting a greater fight here. And everybody has to take a share of the burden. Hmm. So please, if you pay something, pay a one-time payment, give a one-time payment to everybody, but don't raise the wa- the wages because then, oh, then, then we will have the real inflation and then everything is down the drain. Well, obviously this is not how this works. Uh, of course, there is a wage uh, uh, price spiral, uh, but of course, you could easily adapt the wages uh, for the like, at least the union wages for, I don't know, three, five, four, five five percent and alleviate some of the pain. But no, no, this precedent is not supposed to happen. This it should be clear. It should be one time payment. Why? Because it's it's soon going to be over. We're just fighting this war and then it's all going to be over. And then after this, our capitalists cannot deal with those higher wages that uh that you put on us now so please don't do that yeah like yeah that's happening at the same time and i mean you cannot say that this is bad
3: management this is excellent management they are thinking of every edge case they're thinking of every corner <laughs> of it's a it's a fucking well-oiled machinery uh going on right now and what there is how can i say not a positive aspect to this but what is there is is that mm-hmm. there's uh, they are gearing up for what they call the hot autumn because of course with, with, with people being affected by price increases uh, left and right um all the of all the, the the oppositional parties that are not like directly neoliberal or well even them uh, even ifD um, they are uh, now using this to fight uh, uh for the for the for the next election or to fight the government on this uh, with with different motivations and what currently is there we are hoping that it might Take a little, take off a little bit. Is, is that there is um, there are some campaigns like enough is enough, Genug is Genug. They are trying to use this for for large scale um, uh, salary uh, or like salary struggles with the unions, etc. So we have to see how this plays out. Um, right now it looks like the the um, like the government really backed the unions with that. You know, let's just go for a one-time payment
2: and 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 I mean honestly look at look at how the state immediately the politicians and the media immediately reacted to these kind of threats of a protest wave right so I mean it was already clear in the summer people are, pre- are preparing to like send out a huge protest wave in in autumn and fall yeah that should come now soon let's see what it will be uh, I'm, I'm not I don't think it will be a revolution um, nah. but they're already preparing since months on exactly that front. And how would they do it? I think, you, I, I think that brings us back to the very first topic that we talked about, because how, the way that they're doing this is saying, well, look at all the protests back then when we had Corona. Didn't you see that all these protests that went against state measurements were ultimately right-wing protests, fascist mm. elements, dangerous right-wing people that want to see our order crumble? Well, you should take care that all these proce- uh, protests in, in, the fall don't also turn, uh, turn the right way. And of course the right wants to hatch onto it anyway. That's, that is true. Right. But they are already discrediting this. Like if there's somebody, look, there are two slogans that one example, I had a discussion with somebody else, uh, yesterday, two slogans that you could use in this case, you could say, we don't pay for this crisis. Mm-hmm. Right. The second slogan that you could use and it's much more combative is we don't pay for this war, mm-hmm. right? But the second one, no one here will use because they know immediately that the moment that you question that this war, these sanctions, this economic warfare that we, had, we are waging on uh, Russia is not a hundred percent legitimate and we need to stand behind it, that moment you are already on the right, you're already like a Putin friend, you're already cast out, right? And that's why also the left now is really careful with this. And I think it's a, I think it's a big mistake. Yes. In, in leftist circles, you constantly feel that people are afraid to mention the sanctions regime, that people are afraid to mention the war that we are waging in Ukraine. They just want to talk about price caps. They only want to talk about what's going on uh, regarding the inflation and our wages. They don't want to talk about the source of all this, which is... Germany, together with Europe and together with the U.S., decided to wage a war that is supposed to completely um, uh, yeah, destroy Russia's capabilities to wage a war like they are waging now in Ukraine on the long term. That is the consequence of all of this. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, let me ask, since he, you guys are facing a... Well, I don't know what your reports are saying about the winter. Where is the environmental movement in this? To say, hey, let's get Maybe off of
3: oil. It's it's we had the we had the climate strike just yesterday, so so uh, it was significantly smaller than the last one, which uh, kind of also gives you a little bit of perspective on this. Um, well, this is there's there's a lot of possible answers to that questions or a lot of facets uh, uh, that you can answer with. Um, First, which I think is really crazy, is, is of course uh, the, the minister uh, um, uh, that the minister of exterior the, is Annalena Baerbock, with her feminist foreign policy. Um, she is from the Green Party, so she is from the party that actually is supposed to have an eye on, on the ecology uh, issue, on the climate change issue. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like ever, like. I had a friend who used to be vegan, just as a a, a fun anecdote, he used to be vegan and he stopped being that. And I was like, why did you stop being a vegan? He said, like, because with a hundred billion going to the military, nobody gives a flying fuck if I'm vegan or not. And that's really interesting (laughs) because the increase in military spend will also be a significant increase in the expulsion of uh, carbon dioxide. This is just a given because the military industrial complex is one of the biggest polluters uh, 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 that we have. And the interesting thing is, is nobody is nobody is saying shit about that. I've never seen I've never seen this angle. Like, hey, increased military might be increased uh, carbon dioxide. I've not seen it once, anywhere. Although it's probably one of the most significant things that you can have here. On the other hand, they're now selling this kind of we need to we need to save some gas. You know, don't shower alone uh, and or shower shorter and don't heat as much. Wear a, wear a pullover in your flat. Uh, don't take the car take the public uh, public transport they're not kind of like using that with the same angle they're like you know and you're also doing something for the environment you know if you if you heat less if you heat less it's not only it's not only great because it helps us beat putin but it's also good for the environment ain't that the thing so there there,
2: there's an there's another angle to this that's very important and that is the dependency on russia's oil i mean that and there's a that's an, an interesting um contradiction again i would say So on the one hand, the Green Party, which are like, we have two of them in our government, uh, like as heads of our governments, basically. Um, They're quite happy about the fact that now something has happened that forced Germany into becoming more independent of the fossil fuel industry of Russia. Right. Because. That was always the argument for why we wouldn't go all renewables, because renewables would be more, much more expensive. Well, this is changing now a little bit. At the same time, and that's here is the funny contradiction. At the same time, they, with the argument of you know patriotic war against Russia, with that argument, they also reactivate plans to, for example, keep using our nuclear facilities, which they were supposed to turn off by the end of this year. Coal, right? One of the dirtiest for self-use. They're going back into this. They're doubling down on this. Even with the greens and the environmental guys, they're saying, yeah, yeah, we need that now because the war aims that we have are bigger than this. At the same time, you know, at the same time we are becoming independent of Russia and that will in the future maybe make us renewable. Well, there's this interesting dialectic there. where that I don't think they even see themselves. Um, but uh, that's definitely part of the public discourse. Uh, it's it's good that we are now um, uh, that we are heating less, there are people now having on Twitter, you know, arguments over whether you should sit in your office with 19 degrees, or with 18, 18 degrees, what's more uh, what's more environmentally friendly, you know, what's what mm. spends less gas? Yeah, Yeah, these are discussions people are having now, uh, or showing off how, you know, I, I, I saw another thread on Twitter where people are showing off uh, their, their clothes, their layers of clothes that they're wearing uh, while sitting at the desk and working. It's like, yeah, <laughs> look, I have that. And that's very efficient. And I have the scarf here. And yeah, that's that's uh, people are going to get my my, my yeah.
3: yeah, my last hope is. Still oh, yeah, it's that cold I'm... now already. It's cold in already in Germany now. Yeah, it's not nice. Yeah. My last hope, to be honest, is just that nuclear winter is going to mitigate climate change. So it's maybe maybe we're 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 well up there. <laughs> <laughs> now we you need know, talking in we the need US. The
1: sound for part. years I've heard. Yeah, we do, Go ahead, I'm just For years I've heard that, that China and leaders in green technology, and the understanding was that you guys were so far. Um, I was surprised, yeah. I shouldn't have been, that um, you guys get energy from oil from Russia.
2: What is it? We are leaders. We, um, we are leaders of technology of green technology. We are, but we are we are exporting them. Mm-hmm. We're not using them mm-hmm. ourselves. <laughs> we are Germany making is money the, with is them. the We're world not champion. the environment. Germany is the world champion of export. That's our business. We export stuff, especially technology. We export cars. You know that. Wash right. machines, probably one of your dishwashers is the German one, right? So that's right. what Germany does. And uh, the same with the renewal technology, we'd never like we have, we have all the, um, uh, the wind, uh, I don't know how you call them the propeller thingies that are standing all around uh, the country. We do have that stuff, but we have not, you know, we cannot afford to keep 80 million turbines. Exactly. We cannot afford to keep 80 million people, uh, with light and heat, um, without using gas and oil. It's just not possible currently. And that's why we need the cheapest. And we got the cheapest with a very, very good deal from Russia, Nord Stream One, Nord Stream Two, uh, and that's that's also part of the reason why Germany went. You know, the, Germany didn't really have like a dramatic crisis after 2008. I mean, it, we we had some stuff, you know that everybody knows, right? We and, and the Greece, Greece etc. But Germany, Germany itself, especially inside, sitting inside of the European Union and controlling the whole European Union to its benefit,
3: we we had a good decade. That's actually, right? I want to I wanna latch on to that, because uh, when people now say, uh, there, there was even, I think it was in some American newspaper, was the article, like, the sleeping giant has awakened because Germany is now on the rise to power again, and I want to point out exactly what, what, what Nadim said here, is um, actually in 2008 or 9 we've, we've shown the entire world how much we care about the ideals of the European Union, I mean, really, like, the ideals that people think that it was built for. Because if you ask, like, my parents or, or friends, like, like, what's the European Union, I'm like, it's, it's it's an ambassador of peace within Europe. So it's like it's, it's free trade, but also it's freedom and democracy, et cetera, et cetera. And when the push came to shove and the, a and the, and the fellow EU country was, was um, threatened by state bankruptcy, we pummeled them into submissions so heavily that until six weeks ago, whenever Greece had their annual budget for their own state, Germany was mandatory to sign it off. I mean, imagine that. Ima- imagine like a foreign a foreign nation going to your financial minister, looking at his plan and saying like, "Yeah, we agree, go forth." Did uh, ended now? It ended. It ended six weeks ago. The troika okay. ended six weeks ago. And to me, that was like for me, that was the very moment where I realized that there was something like in my own back then idealism that something was really amiss. So we just fucked over a complete a, a country. Like into total financial domination, and going on. Like, why did we do that? There are a lot of reasons why did we do that. Not because we're evil, but because it's 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 useful to us. They're like an exterior border of the European Union, so we can um, also pummel them into submission. And what the what the how can I say? What the um, treatment and the processing of fugitives is, and then we can blame it on them. Like, if by now it is, it has become official that Greece uh, border forces are. Throwing handcuffed refugees back into the water so that they yeah. definitely don't try to swim back, and um, oh we, can, we can we can hide yeah we can hide behind that we can say oh that's horrible what's going on on the EU borders in fact it is to our benefit and under our control for example because like by vice versa like if Greece would have allocated a significant budget for the helping of the refugee crisis or the other way around Germany had always a veto they could have said hey guys you know you have thousands of people dying in the Mediterranean maybe put some money in there no 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 no. so um, I do think that Germany as a, as a superpower in its own um, is longer coming than just this uh, war effort that we are currently seeing I think it was in pre- it was not in preparation but it was like a steady a steady increase in dominance yeah,
2: Germany is not a superpower yet, but it's aspiring to be one, and that explicitly again. That's that's mm-hmm. the difference now. They they make it explicit. It's not only part of their actions. I mean, you already saw that in Yugoslavia, you saw that in Afghanistan. They already start started to come back to this, but now it's explicit. They want to get back well, well, going to it. Well, be the degree of militarization of remilitarization surrounded around the rhetoric with this
0: Ukraine war. I mean, this this is like a full militarization campaign. Absolutely,
3: it is. And if Absolutely. you if you if you now walk in the in the subways or the bus stations of Germany, uh, like advertisements for the German army are everywhere, and they are oh. using this 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 really crazy. Uh, if uh, uh, what, the next time Nadim gives an answer, I'm gonna look up some examples and explain uh, show them to you um uh they are really you're using saying this you're like... saying i'm
2: taking so long to answer or what's your yeah, yeah. It's
3: okay. it's okay then <laughs> i've heard it before we're working together in, a po- in our own podcast so it's oh <laughs> uh, yeah oh uh, yeah okay let's no, talk about um, that later uh no uh i already got a bruise from you you know that was your foot here done <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, but uh, it, it all uses this this like like modern pr- pseudo progressive this liberal yeah. progressive attitude like with females with people of color etc. Like like so it's, it's 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 it is the same in the in the direction that it's going like it, it always is like join the army and serve the system and defend defend your values. But the way they're presenting it, it's it's like we're in the nice army, like you know with us you know, we, we might wear fatigues, we might carry guns, but in the end, we're nice. This is about you. This is about, how can I say, uh, developing your own potential. Do it at our place. Shoot foreigners.
0: An intersectional
4: army. So it is you guys it think is. that the Ukraine oh, yeah. will be the like final decisive step towards German militarization in, in Germany, just the army becomes the same attitude that there is towards it in the UK and France. Like, you know, it's fine for us to intervene in foreign conflicts because we're democratic nations and we know how to do this properly. You know,
2: I would agree to that. Yeah, I I, I mean you can you can see you can see a lot of um, a lot of uh, things pointing to that. I don't think. I don't think that it will entirely look like, you know, everyone will be drafted and there will be a general mobilization and we will, we will land in five different countries at the same time. I don't think that this is what it's going to be, but it's more like in this in this world order of capitalist nations that kind of try to dominate each other with their imperialism, the amount of economic power that Germany has...
3: I think he froze. It's a very, uh, it's a very James Bond villain like gesture here.
2: A good gesture. <laughs> like he didn't froze
0: for a second.
3: <laughs> yeah. He's
4: zero out of 10 on connection. He's dead. Rip. Ah,
2: uh, You're
4: looking for the posters.
3: Yeah. I was looking into the posters the way it, it, was interesting
4: because the, the ones in Britain talk less about kind of values like Democrat. I don't, I don't know what values you talk about defending values when you said that, but, the British kind of woke posters are about like a feeling of belonging. It's mm-hmm. very postmodern in the sense that like community no longer exists anywhere else, but you can still find it in the army because we still have this old fashioned structure while at the same time being open and woke in this other way mm. of, of of accepting women of accepting people of color of, of gay people and so on. I
3: have, I have one of my favorites here. Um, maybe I can share my screen just quickly. Uh, or my or a, a
4: if it allows you to. to. If not, you can post in the private chat and Tucson will be able to do it.
3: Yeah, I think I will. Is it sharing?
4: Yeah.
3: Okay. So, so th- this one, this one is really nice. Hold on. Uh, just...
4: hold on.
3: Yeah, multiplayer oh, at its best. <laughs> wow. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Why isn't in fucking English? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, here's another one. Here's another one. Someone who is who is probably of how can I say of uh, um, uh, migrant descent we have here. Never fight for, uh, for you just uh, Never fight just for yourself. Yeah. So uh, and it, uh, it's of probably probably some Turkish guy uh, because well, he's, yeah. he's very ambiguous, isn't he? He could be from yeah. anyone, <laughs> which presumably is the point. Yeah, he's just so a and you have them, you have them everywhere. So that's that is really new to me. I have not seen, I've not seen, like for years. I have never seen, uh, I've not seen seen um how can I say like like army army advertisements. But now they're everywhere. It's like this full full on effort to 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 make make army a cool thing again. Um, I've seen police uh, advertisements, a lot of them in the last couple of years. So uh, I do think that the state itself is is um. Yeah, he's he recruiting for for repression and uh, like like aggressiveness actually. So that's that's the fun fact because uh, we're using slogans that might sound nice, but in the end, <coughs> also if you look at the military, uh, at the police, it's the same as in the U.S. They're highly militarized. They look like fucking mercenaries right now. Like when I, when I was when I was a kid and I grew up in a, in, a, in a village in the south of Bavaria, when I saw a policeman, they had brown pants, uh, a yellow shirt, and a green like almost lo- like 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 formal jacket and a cap maybe a gun not all of them had guns and that was it you know you could recognize them now if you see a policeman even like in the villages in germany where nothing ever happens they have like like (coughs) ballistic vests and everything like like you you have the feeling that is that black rock or police i don't know i can't i can't tell the difference do
4: you think this will also lead to a rehabilitation of the german flag especially going to the world cup
3: um <laughs> that is a little bit different I think because that started in 2006 already with the with the, when we when we were really really successful uh, by surprise nobody nobody thought that we would be sec- that successful in the World Cup and yeah there was this there was flags everywhere German flags and we we have a slightly we had a slightly uh, 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 neurotic uh, um, ambivalence towards our own nation as a nation so we of course uh, used it and we served it but uh, like you were not supposed to say that you're a patriot or that you're like like, nationalist okay you're not supposed to say that even now you were not supposed to say that you're a patriot and i remember when you had this this (coughs) immense like this ocean of of flags and i hate i hate nation-state flags like no matter which nation i just i react allergic to them And uh, suddenly all the newspapers were full of like, oh, finally, finally, we are someone again, you know, (laughs) we're again a country that can display their flag (laughs) proudly. I'm like, is that a good thing? You know, it's such a base ideology when we get down to it.
4: Yes. I mean, I wonder if uh, they'll do the move of like, you know, no flag and then Ukraine flag and then you take the Ukraine flag down and you put the German
2: flag back up. Hey guys, sorry. Hello that's uh, no problem. Germany is internet for you.. That's yep. how it
3: goes. Yeah. Like like I had I had better internet connection on the mountain of a small rural Greek island than I have in Germany. I'm not kidding. You. It's,
4: it's, it's a common thing though right? because yes. states yeah. like the UK in and, and Germany have internet bad internet because they got the internet first when yeah, it was got, really really bad. It's all old. While, yes. while countries that got it more recently have been able to start with like fiber and whatever.
3: Yep, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I just I just showed some 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 advertisements for the Deutsche Bundeswehr, like nice ones.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to say, I mean, my, my last sentence was that basically Germany is trying to bring on par their economic power that they have in the world uh, with their military power. I don't think it will immediately result in them landing in countries. Um, it will be a threat of that. Well, if the order doesn't go um, as we you know as we dictate it. There is this power that we still have in the back, and that's i mean—that's important. And that plays a lot of role, even though it doesn't come to wars all the time, right? I mean, Ukraine, the war in Ukraine is not happening every day. That's something kind of—that's why it shocked everybody, because these kind of wars don't happen that much anymore. Um, you guys, at you least,
4: the, um, the the status of economic aid to Ukraine? Because obviously, the Ukraine's been flooded with kind of military aid. Oh, but also yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, defaulting on, it, on its aid, and and I've heard lots of reports that Germany is kind of holding up European Union aid to Ukraine because Germany is basically saying, well, Ukraine isn't going to pay us back, so why why should we give them any money?
3: There was also a famous quote by Ursula von der Leyen, the the ex uh, minister of defense in Germany, now uh, president of the of the EU. Um, she said that once we once we help. Uh, the Ukraine getting back on track we for sure, and it's like qu- saying the quiet part out loud, she said this aid will for sure be connected to some demands and I was like, did she say that out loud? Because it's basically yeah, like, like we're going to help you but we're also going to make you our bitch I felt like saying like, oh the
4: the West will be, use this to privatize Ukraine was like a silly conspiracy theory but then I, I read a report by the World Bank and she just said this and it's like, okay, this is yeah, the yeah. leftism. <laughs> <laughs> they just say yeah. it, you know <laughs>
0: Yeah. Oh, great. So there's a nice little undercurrent neoliberal agenda about privatization of Ukraine that no every, one's. Everybody
2: the...
3: hatches. Everybody hatches to this and tries to make their profits and their winnings. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's also that's also an important thing. Like it was when 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 the Maidan happened, it was from the almost from the get go. It was 100% clear that although yes, a lot of people were displeased with the acting government, that for sure a neoliberal agent is gonna be the one that ends up in power. They even had massacres of of left-wing people in Odessa, uh, as far as I remember, um, that were downplayed in the German media. Immensely downplayed. They said, oh, there was a fire somewhere in a a left-wing building. And then somebody told me, like, no, there was no fire. There was just people being on fire. And he showed me pictures. And, like, the the building was not burning, just the people inside. (laughs) Well, I mean, what happened is,
4: yeah, people blocked all the exits and then set the building on fire.
3: Yeah, yeah, Actually, with the pictures that I saw were even worse, because uh, sometimes it was only the heads that had been engulfed with, with gasoline, etc., and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and, and uh, the um, the females also had, had obvious signs of sexual violence. Uh, so it was it was a clusterfuck, and Germany just presented in their media, yeah, there was a fire in a building, yeah, it m- might be that some people died. Um, so it was immediately clear that no matter what's going on in the Ukraine right now, as long as our agent takes charge, we're happy with it, and we're going to push them.
2: Oh that's by the way, this is this is also interesting. I mean you might you might not witness this to the same extent. I don't know how this goes in the in the US to be honest, but in Germany, the amount of ignorance that is suddenly be portrayed towards uh, Nazi mm. insignia mm. and units, <laughs> units that are that are all openly like right sector, like Azov, that are openly fascist, openly Nazis um you, there is not a day that goes by where you don't have a newspaper uh with you know the front page or maybe the second page a picture of some heroic soldier sitting on the stairs of a building with their gun in their hand and then you see this little you know nazi like some, yeah it doesn't matter that's okay and when that is criticized no well, that's a, you know they're fighting they're fighting for their nation we can't choose you can't choose who who we fight with i mean I've also yeah. seen
4: recently Ukrainians painting
2: like the German army sign on their tanks. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they were there. I just, just saw yesterday. I see this every day. I, I mean, literally, this is happening all the time. But yesterday, I saw a video uh, of, of I think right sector guys being interviewed, and there's a tank
3: driving by in the back, <laughs> it's like a, really slow, it. and it has a swastika. On yeah. It. yeah. My 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 favorite was totally when the uh, when. And there was like this this long long interview with one of the guys of the Azov regiment, and he had literally like the SS skull, like the SS skull, not a SS-like skull, but the SS skull, like on the center of his of his battle vest. And I was like, is anyone gonna acknowledge that? You know, you're talking to someone who's using like like literal SS insignia. Is, is somebody fucking home? No, apparently not. And but but uh, but when Palestinians in Germany
2: want to speak about apartheid or human rights violations in Palestine and Israel, oh, that's anti-Semitism. That, there we have to take care. There, there are the Islamist... Uh,
3: fascism is spilling over into Germany. Yeah, yeah, that's that, how It, it was, it was actually like, like also from a media perspective, it was rather clever because again, they had the one guy that everybody hates that pushes the the overt window of the discourse like so far to the right, where you're like oh, everybody hates that. So you let shit fly that normally would be totally out of the question. That was the the actually the the, the Ukrainian Melnick. ambassador in Germany, Melnik. He said things out loud where you're like, he wrote oh, yesterday. Pakistan?
2: He wrote yesterday that we shouldn't let Russians in. Uh, Russians that are now fleeing the partial mobilization of Russia, we shouldn't let them in because they didn't fight their government
3: before, so they are part yeah. of the enemy, basically. Yeah. Wow. And there was a German interview by by a German, by a rather famous German journalist, Thilo Jung, because uh, Melnik has uh, uh, Andre Melnik has been seen, like for example, visiting the grave of Banderas, who was like a collaborator of the Nazis and, uh, and like an openly fascist militia leader in the Second World War, and um, he read out he read out uh, like statements by by banderas. Uh, by the way, the the, the term Slava Ukraini yeah, not banderas. Bandera, bandera. He's pretty sorry. cool. No, but no. Um, but even even the slogan uh, Slava Ukraini, which has been even used by American punk bands on their merch and solidarity, is actually popularized by the by by the uh, banderas. And is not the exact same, but it's kind of like as if Germany was attacked, and American punk bands put Prince Zeke Heil on a on a pullover. It's not that far detached from that. So, by the way, uh, okay. Anyway, and he read out like these 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 anti-Semitic, like immensely directly anti-Semitic, how they should be extinct, how how he's gonna collaborate with the Nazis. He read them out in an interview with Melnik. It's like, so what do you say to this? Like, do you say anything about this? And he literally said in the interview, "I'm not gonna distance myself from that." That was his final <laughs> answer. It's like, 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 come on. What, what are you aiming for? I'm not gonna say that it's not my things. And to be um, fair,
2: to be fair, he kept he kept being the ambassador of Germany for two more weeks, and then he was
3: there. yeah. But uh, in the so end, but he, he was, You have to also be uh, precise here. He he was not like like uh, how can I say he was not made a pariah or something like that. No no no. Promoted. He was promoted. back. He was promoted Zelensky, Zelensky outside called of him Germany. Back. Yeah, it he was called him not, back and it, gave him promotion.
2: And it could not be the German government who says, "Oh, we want this guy out of our country." That's impossible. Because this guy just openly made, you know, fascist statements, but we can't throw him out because he's Ukrainian. No, no, it had to be Zelensky calling him back by promoting him to a higher rank in, in Ukrainian government. That's uh, what happens. So a, a full circle coming back to Trump being a fascist. If you want to see real fascists, we've got some over here and uh, we got some in Ukraine. So I mean, I think, yeah, then we we'll get was... some uh, dimension
3: of, of these uh, comparisons. Kind of. Just, just, just the, the the amount of collaboration is insane. Because uh, there was a Jacobin article before the war that <coughs> actually the U.S. is financing like right wing militias all over the world by financing the Azov Regiment. And the Azov Regiment is more, I, I've known that like from anti fascist activism like for years. The Azov Regiment is, is kind of like what the what the what the Hezbollah was in the 70s for, for left wing uh, terrorists. It's like the training camp to go to. So we are actually, uh, our money is training white supremacists all over the world. Isn't that rad? I mean, I I saw a full of Russian Nazis. And and as I guess you guys know,
4: they they host the biggest blackmail concert in Europe.
3: Yeah. And, and yeah, that's that's another thing. That's another thing. Like, like I have heard, like for example, Pest Noir, uh, National Socialist Black Movement. they moved to the Ukraine to, to be closer to their, to their brothers in mind. And, um, what I think interesting yeah, it's is. It's very interesting. Thing. Like, since 2014, there was like a mass defection of, of the Russian black metal scene,
4: mm-hmm. the National Social Russian black metal scene to Ukraine. And then they switch kind of, they still sing, sing the same songs, which is fascinating. Like, Molov still sings my, my my Native Land in Ukraine. They're talking about Russia, but they'll play it now as if they were talking about Ukraine.
3: It's from, wow, that's super interesting. I have never heard about that. And that's um, the thing. Like in the in the in the early two thousands, Russia was a, was, a, was a very important center for militant neo Nazis, and it completely shifted to the Ukraine after the Maidan. Completely.
0: I I wanted to ask you guys what exactly we talked about the rise of the cost of living in Germany. Mm-hmm. How is the inflation situation actually working out? in terms of the day-to-day life of most Germans? And is it something that is is the campaign to get people to support the war and suffer the consequences of the economy working in the consciousness of the German people? It's a question I want to ask.
3: My favorite example, because it's a very important currency in Germany, is the Döner, which is like this this uh, uh, Turkish German uh, uh, street food. Yeah, It's like shawarma. Um, and it used to cost 350, like until uh, I'd say February or something like that. Like one, like it was the standard price. Like almost no dinner shop was was uh, significantly below or over 350. And they're all six euros right now, so they're almost double the price. And it, so um, all the restaurants that I know, all the shops have increased their prices significantly. So it's it's really it is noticeable. Um, just as a, as a, as a, like as a, how can I say, as a focus, uh, as a spotlight here. For example, like a, an average grocery shopping has become like 40% more expensive for me right now. Just, just going to the same store, buying the same goods, I'd say 40% more or something like that. Wow. Um, on the yeah. other hand, I see no effort whatsoever. The same. I have to go back to what 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 Nadim said. Even in the agitation of the left, I see no connection being made to the war whatsoever it's like oh well, shit is fucked
2: with that you know with the food to be fair um the food prices have been rising before the war they have been rising all over the world um, they are part to you know they're also they, part that's the corona, part due cetera. to the corona crisis and the supply chain crisis mm-hmm. um so if you actually look at food prices uh, and we had this during our conversation already last year um that, that the rise that has been attributed to the war is actually minor we're talking like you know maybe five percent or ten percent of the of the whole rise in the last 12 months is, is due to the war. So when it comes to food we do have this kind of inflation that is based on um, other issues uh, although also the corn let's say the, the 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 corn situation of course had some impact it's yeah. not only the oil and gas but I think what is much more important is the ripple effects that are being caused by the oil crisis, by the, the energy crisis. Because that ultimately will also express itself in all prices. And that's what, what I meant before, it's so pivotal, this this sector. Um, it, it will influence how much, how much food uh, you can produce, it will influence the prices of the cars that you produce, of, I don't know, everything that is basically on the market to be bought, including services, will rise. And we definitely feel this a lot um, right now, like Daniel said, like some people had incredible rises of, of their tax, uh, their electricity bill. If you want to get a new contract now, the prices are horrendously high. Like we're talking about um, a third, or maybe maybe even nearing half of the rent that you pay going into into the electricity costs for in some uh, you know, in some cases. And we're talking about a society in which we have huge amount of people living from unemployment aid which is uh, very little and uh, yeah, now uh, these people have to deal with, you know, uh, they are already on the edge and they have to deal. Maybe I told you this before or maybe it was in another session, but this kind of situation that looks like a stereotype, looks like something that is supposed to um, uh, provoke tears, uh, that happened to me, like in a supermarket, old lady in front of me, we're standing at the counter, she's counting, uh, counting her food. She didn't check the prices, was very much in the beginning in April after the war. She didn't check the prices. Somebody tells her, yeah, it's, I don't know, 20 bucks. And she says, oh, why is it 20 bucks? I always buy this every week. Why is it now 20 bucks? Yeah, it's more now. Okay, uh, well, then I have to give something back. And so she had to give, you know, she had to give some bread back and some cheese back, etc., in order to be able to to buy that stuff because she only had that amount of cash on her hand. So these situations we have here a lot, um, I don't think that we are particularly bad compared to other nations in Europe. I think that they will be hit stronger, probably. Mm-hmm. But um, I have you know, at the lo- at the low, let's say at the lower levels of society, the pain will uh, be very, very big in the next couple of months. I'm
3: pretty sure. It's it's not just Germany. I've uh, I've been in in Greece for for four weeks over the summer, and I've met with with comrades and friends there as well. And uh, one, one actually, also from a from political background, he told me that f- he got new a uh, new electricity bill, and he has a he has a small flat like sixty or seventy square meters, and he's supposed to pay a thousand euros for two months of electricity, and that, um, and he which is like a thousand dollars, like yeah, in translation, but right. with with a with a with a living salary that is around a thousand net per month. Wow. So yes, because wow. salaries in Greece are for mm. shit. You wouldn't even imagine. And here
2: comes in the German state again and offers something really, really nice to everybody who is in this situation. They can now, you know, what normally happens in Germany, if you don't pay your gas bill, I think the same as uh, in every other country. The gas is being turned off for you. You don't get electricity. You don't get gas. You don't get heat. Well, that doesn't happen now anymore. You there is a moratorium. You can basically pay the stuff later. So I don't know. You can't go horrible now. debt you go into a horrible debt and maybe in six months you can try to pay that shit off. That's, uh, that has been made possible by our nice state now that takes a lot of care uh, of its citizens. Stefan is one of, as our man in Europe right now. I'd like to hear your
0: thoughts. Do you have any questions or statements? Yeah, I mean it's, just, it's, it's,
4: it's true in the UK. I'm interested earlier on um, the fact that in Germany they haven't fixed the gas grass price yet. In the UK kind of, it was very funny, like we had a contest because Boris Johnson resigned, so we had a contest between the two conservative competitors to see who would be the next prime minister. And throughout the whole campaign, Liz Truss denied, she was like, because she was obviously appealing to conservative voters who are all, it's like 100,000 of Britain's worst lunatics, um, appealing to them saying like, we won't do anything about gas prices, we'll just let the free market do whatever. And then she came into government and then basically on her like second day, she was like, we're, we're going to impose a, a fix, a cap. Uh, it basically, so that it's right. two and a half thousand pounds a year on average consumption. It's written, people are, mis, lots and lots of people are misunderstanding this in Britain and thinking the maximum you can pay is two and a half thousand a year. Well, that's just average consumption for uh, like one person, you know. So it can be much, much, much higher. It's just the the gas unit is fixed. Um, But this is still an increase of 100 to 150% since uh, the war started. So obviously kind of this is meant to solve the problem and kind of it's, it's really decreased a lot of the public anger and the refusal to pay and everything like this around it. But obviously we're gonna go into winter and people are gonna find that their bills
2: Yeah, I think I think here is another dynamic that comes into that makes Germany special, because what you should not forget is that Germany is to a huge part, huge part responsible uh, for the rise of the gas prices itself. Right. So Germany, Germany is going around and trying to com- like we're talking about an economy, the German economy was, I think, 50 percent sponsored by Russian oil and gas. Right. So uh, we, we have to make up for this. So we're going around and we are buying oil wherever we can find it and gas wherever we can find it. That rises prices. And we cannot now in that situation, at least before we are safe and have our reservoirs full, then limit the prices. We can't do that yet. I do think we will have some kind of conversation like this, too, because the left is also preparing this more and more, getting this into the conversation. But right now, I don't see it. I think this would probably have, happen after the winter. Now we're good we have the reservoirs full we paid what we had to pay. by the way, MMT is correct uh, with money that has been printed out of thin air you know it hasn't even been printed it's just a button button press. Um, uh, they, uh, they, they are correct in this they are not correct in other things um, but uh, so th- that's, that's what I would say why they haven't been discussing the price cap question yet because they are the ones driving the prices up right now and they have to in order to fill up their reservoirs.
4: Right.
2: Well, we've Britain, all we,
4: uh, we closed our reservoirs in, in previous years because they weren't economical, and you know what crisis would happen that would force us to have a gas reservoir already not have any.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that sucks.
0: <laughs> I was going to say we've gone for a while now. I was wondering if you guys had any final words, if you'd like to wrap yeah. it up.
1: What did you say, Andrew? Oh, I think Germany is supposed mm-hmm. to be getting um, this oil from France next month. So something to look forward to.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. ask me a final question to kind of contrast, even if we kind of take what's happening, what Germans' actions are in Ukraine as kind of some kind of liberal humanistic impulse which obviously we shouldn't, but just go along with it, Um, how, how by doing this, it prevents, the the discussion, the thing that you're talking about, where uh, the Germans have to buy up all the supply they can from everyone that they can, obviously disables them to have any kind of liberal humanist impulses towards any other state. So if we see kind of a renewed Saudi offensive in Yemen, if we see, what could be like an Armenian genocide, which is basically being offered by the Azeri state in, in the next actually
2: moment. we are we are also getting we are also getting gas from Azerbaijan and this is also something that is annoying. yeah no, that's
4: exactly what I mean that yeah, but
2: that's, oil, that's oil, our, sorry, kind not genocide gas,
3: oil. Oil. that's our yeah. kind of genocide we're cool with that yeah you know? yeah
4: yeah will there be any reaction do you think from Europe in the case of Azerbaijan doing the same thing that Russia did
2: well it depends in this case because the US is trying to get in a little bit. You know, Pelosi was there last week and she's making like a little bit of a, oh, Russia is not here. So I'm stepping in and doing something, uh, thing, you know? Um, So it depends a little bit how this goes. Uh, If the US is involved in this, I don't think that there will be a huge shift away from Russia by Armenia. But if something happens there, then that could change. As of now, even though Azerbaijan is like three to 5%, someone told me, of our oil needs. So it's not much. But in a situation where you're looking for scraps everywhere, anyway, uh, you don't want to lose that too. So I don't think I don't think that that will change their their military or you know supporting policies towards Azerbaijan or Armenia greatly. Um, when it comes to Saudi Arabia, I mean they're good friends anyway. Uh, yeah, it, I mean ultimately, the, you know this euphemism of it's not a euphemism; it's actually just wrong. To speak of a dependency towards Russia that we had there, right? It now now Merkel is being being attacked by by uh, all the left wing humanists. Look, Merkel, you you brought us this dependency of Russian oil. It was not dependency, guys. We profited from this shit. We got like we got such cheap oil. This is how we survive. This is how we how we build our nation now, right? So this is not a dependency. Um, just I mean. Unless you talk about everything on the capitalist market as a dependency, uh, like if Daniel if Daniel buys my chair, he gives me money. I give him my chair. Yeah, Daniel was dependent on me. You
3: never paid for that chair. Like, Don't use that's that example.
2: Not, <laughs> but that's not uh, that's not the, how that goes, right? So I think I think ultimately Russia is a big deal because there was a lot of you know a lot of corporations, and I think there was also a lot of hope from the German um, state that there could be even future collaborations. Um, and I think that until the very last moment, you can see this even in Olaf Scholz's efforts right before the war to go to Russia, speak to Putin, even during the war, go to Russia, speak to Putin. They, they wanted to solve this in a good manner, but no, nah, the, the, the stones were set in this case. Russia mm. decided to go that way. U.S. decided to go the other way. Um, and that's, that's the reality that Germany has to adapt to. <clears throat> After some,
0: do you want to add any other questions?
1: All right. Well, actually, I, I just really wanted to get in your business as far as the environmental issues are Um I'm glad we won't have to be sending you votes. You guys are prepared. We might need yeah, them if anything goes wrong in the South and the U.S. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah. How is it like maybe just one interesting one interest of mine, like how, how is that hitting you? I mean, the gas prices, the rise of gas prices is also a global thing. Uh, it will hit you too. I mean, although you are um, you are energy sufficient, but the speculation should hit you, too, in some way, no? Inflation. Prices, is also have, going up
0: in the, prices have gone up in the United States, but they flattened out due to okay. some mm-hmm. policy procedures that were taken over by the administration. Biden. I, I don't know if we should think Biden, but he did they, basically. They there was a, a a tactic that was done by the administration that was able to flatten out the worst of the increase in the prices, so prices actually went down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not compared to where they were before, when they right. decreased a bit. Right. But um, on that note, we're coming up on two hours now, and this this was a great mm-hmm. show. I, I learned so much from you guys. Conversation was rich. Mm-hmm. I can tell you guys were animated to be here and to share with us. Always Jason and Gina were here. We've got to do this again. I hope you guys, Stefan mm-hmm. and M2 Son, realize why we love our brothers here from uh, 99 Zoo in Germany because they always bring on the good content.
2: Thank you, sir. We love thank you guys. You. I, I listen to you. I listen to you every day. I swear to God. Like I'm going through oh, your wow, podcast all the time. You I really, really touch me when you say that, brother. You really touch me. And Pascal, Pascal, I also heard that you were sick a couple of months ago, and I really hope that you get better soon. Oh, uh, thank you, out, brother. I appreciate all it.
3: All the yeah. best, Thanks, man. So no, it's it's uh, it's nice to, to, like, for, to move on from fanboy to guest. Yes. <laughs> yeah,
0: no. yeah, now he gets territory. He gets the <laughs> Any other questions, you guys? Stefan, Burton, M. 2 M. 2 you want have- you want to leave it out with the the the, the final words?
2: The final uh, words just, just, are... one, just one thing, uh, Stefan oh. and Mtsun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never talked to you before, but it was also great. Uh, yeah, it was discussing it. with you. Thanks
3: yeah. for that. I, I love awesome. the I love the vibe. Always when always when we work together, there's like a really great vibe. I, I it's just it's just it's mm-hmm. so much fun every time. It's never a hassle. It's always fun. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Ah, glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. All right, thanks for being on, and we are out. Where's the answer? Sure.